This is Brett, and I'm just talking about Star Wars all by myself on the Skywalk. What's up, Move Milkers? Welcome back to the Skywalk episode 120. And today I will be talking about the Mandalorian chapter 14, the tragedy. And I'm doing it myself today for a couple of reasons. One, Jeff didn't watch the episode because it was too short. Secondly, scheduling has been difficult lately. As you know, our dear pal Jeff and co-host Jeff has been raising a foundling and uh, scheduling has been tough. And thirdly, I know exactly what I want to say about this episode. And so from the lazy perspective, I know I don't have to edit a thing. So let's talk about the tragedy. But before we do, social meteors. This is where the good Moof Milkers can find us on social media on Apple Podcasts. Search for The Skywalk. Sky is in sky and walk as in the thing you cook in, spelled W-O-K. Subscribe there and leave us a review. Spotify, The Skywalk. All right, guys, I don't have I don't have the notes today. Uh, what's next? Uh, somebody tell me. Someone tell me quick. Someone tell me. Why is no one telling me? Disgracebook, facebook.com slash the Skywalk. Don't go there. Facebook is trash. Twitter at the Skywalk. Instagram, the Skywalk. And Potomatic is starwarsovercoffee.potomatic.com. And all the other social media platforms such as Stitcher, Podbean, Amazon, Google something, radio something, etc. Um, I want to get right into it. And maybe if there's time, I will get into uh, a submission or two from the fail bag. And thank you again to everybody who wrote in about this recent episode and about our last episode. We really appreciate hearing from you all. Um, the tragedy. So first of all, I think we can all agree that the tragedy was the Razor Crest, right? But the reason I want to talk about this episode, the first time I watched it, I absolutely hated it, which is really funny because uh, we've talked about chapter six of The Mandalorian, The Prisoner from last season that I really didn't like. And I kept thinking like, this time it's going to be different. The sixth episode of this season is going to be amazing. They're going to do a much better job. And frankly, like I do think they did. I think this one was better. And although Jeff might not like the short length of this episode, I kind of love it because I don't think it should have been any longer. I think this is what they had and it was the perfect length. Um, I thought it was a goofy episode. I find it very easy to make fun of, but I want you to know that this all comes from a place of love and that when I watched it the second time, I definitely liked it a lot better. And I still think that there is a lot to like about this episode. First of all, my negative reaction to it you know, your first tendency is to be like, well, what's different about this one? Oh, it's the director, Robert Rodriguez. He's never directed one of these before, so let's blame him. But you know what? John Favreau wrote it. So if you agree with me and didn't like this episode, I mean, a lot of what was wrong with it was the writing, the script. I mean, what was wrong with it to me? And if you enjoyed it, I'm really, really happy that you enjoyed it. I got some ABC Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. vibes from this one. I think some of that is how it was filmed. So I didn't really like that thing. I don't know if it's more frames per second or less frames per second, but there's this weird like sped up effect to some of the action scenes. And I don't really like that. I'm not a fan. Maybe you like it. Uh, I know I don't. 
What I did love about this episode, I love the Mando character development at the very beginning. Such a simple thing, but Mando saying Grogu and getting a kick out of Little G's response was awesome. I loved it. And the fact that he chuckled and laughed, like, I don't know, but I don't think we've heard Mando laugh before. And I think we really needed that. Things for me immediately took a turn for the worse when Mando started reiterating the plot, not only of the last couple of episodes, but really of the entire series. So I guess, you know, if you haven't seen the first 13 episodes and you really need to get caught up and you don't want to just read a synopsis online, this was good. Otherwise, I don't know why he's telling the kid all this stuff. I also didn't really like the way he's, he just seemed dumbed down. You know, he's asking Grogu, don't you want to learn that Jedi stuff? You know, as if, I don't know, like, as if he doesn't know anything about it himself. I thought that was a little weird. I thought generally in this episode, the Mando was just kind of dumb. He keeps making the same mistakes, but more on that later. So Mando quickly arrives at the planet Tython. And that was surprising. And that was kind of cool because I think we started to feel like we were figuring out the rhythm of this show. And I think most fans thought, myself included, that we weren't going to get to Tython until the end of the season, maybe. So it was kind of cool and refreshing that like, hey, nothing bad happened on the way there this time. They just got to their destination for once. So that was kind of cool. I thought the approach, uh, those shots were really cool. The establishing shots of that planet, it looked a little bit plain, but the location did look ancient up on top of that mountain. Um, So Mando brings little Grogu to the top of Pride Rockhenge, which is what I'm calling it, for some wireless charging on top of a rock nipple, which is what it looked like to me. So Grogu sits there, and again, Mando acts really stupid, like he's looking for a button to press or something, Um, has no idea that the, the Force is a mystical thing. You can't just turn it on and off, and he only gets dumber as the episode goes along. Then we get an awesome shot, an awesome shot of Slave One, flying into the scene. And man, I thought that was so well done because you saw it pretty clearly, but it was also sort of obscured by the stones at Pride Rockhenge. So it was still a little bit mysterious, but if you're a Star Wars fan, you absolutely know what it was right away. Uh, And that was great. So that ship lands. Mando turns around to find Grogu in a blue force field meditating in a very classic meditation position, Mando tries to take him out of that shield for the first time. For the first of three hilariously ill-advised attempts to remove him from this blue force field. And they got more ridiculous every time. But anyways, seeing that he can't get him out, Mando goes down to see like, what is this ship? Who's coming out of it? And there he meets with Boba Fett and Fennec Shand. I love that. I absolutely love that. I love that she's back. I think a lot of fans agree. Most people didn't think she was really dead in season one when goofball Toro the lawnmower shot her in the gut. I'm really happy to see her back. Mando has a little bit of a convo with Boba that sets the stage for a little confrontation. Then the Stormtrooper clown cars show up. Uh, the good thing I can say about this is that I, I immediately recognized it as First Order-ish, 
So I would say that's good design. That's like good, the type of stuff that we don't really think about, but the people designing the show have to think about implying these connections and making sure that communicates to fans. So I think the fact that most of us looked at it and said, that looks like a first order ship from The Force Awakens at the beginning of the movie, that's a good thing because there's there's obviously a connection there. Then uh, a lot of gratuitous violence happens for some reason. Fennec goes bowling Indiana Jones style with some stormtroopers. Um, Mando keeps hurting himself trying to enter Grogu's force field. Uh, gets knocked out. I mean, literally knocked out cold the second time and then does the same thing again. Like, seriously, my kid wouldn't write that. Then Boba gets his armor back. And guess what? He's not in game shape. Let's just leave it at that. But it was pretty cool. So Boba, I think in, a t- in an attempt to restore some respect, just goes on this massive killing spree of stormtroopers. And it's very violent. There's not blood, but there's really like everything but blood. So again, I think they're trying to redeem him for slipping on a banana peel into a Sarlacc pit and losing all credibility 30 years ago or whatever. The slow-mo shot. Hate it. Absolutely hate it. And I don't know if that's why it gave me sort of a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Marvel vibe or whatever, but it just didn't feel right. And it felt like they were overdoing it at that point. But again, minor quibble. Still enjoyed it. Then our heroes who are now allied together to fight off these stormtroopers see a laser bolt from the sky come down and obliterate the Razor Crest which gets blown to pieces and is now the only object in the universe in worse shape than this script. Then some dark troopers show up. I was expecting these to look really cool. I think in the previous episode, uh, which I think was chapter 12, we get a glimpse of them, but we don't really see them too well. So they looked cool. They looked a little less cool now that we could see them in full. They did kind of feel a little Iron Man-ish to me, but they show up and Grogu is Grogon. Mando gets there too late. And what I found a little weird was after the touching moments of the last episode, uh, when he really, really bonded with Grogu, and even at the beginning of this one, you know, he finds Grogu's little ball, sure, but then he seems to get over it kind of quickly and is just kind of like, all right, I'll go round up the gang and we'll get him back. So it's like, you know, he doesn't seem that concerned. And I think as a viewer, that makes me feel less concerned. I think we all know that Grogu's going to be okay in the end. So the cool thing is the gang will now include Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, because they all abide by codes now, apparently. You know, we finally got Boba back, and now I want him to die and give Cobb Vanth the armor back. But really, I am happy to see him back, even happier once he gets in Slave One and starts flying around in that. That is really cool. Uh, Then we see Moff Baller. Moff Baller, still great. Like, this dude has never had a bad scene. They use him sparingly, which I think is a good idea. And Moff Baller wants Dr. Pershing to squeeze little G like a little force lime and uh, get all that midichlorian juice out of him. The Django revelation. I thought that was great. Turns out Django was a foundling and Boba deserves his armor after all. All of this could have been resolved earlier in the episode, by the way, if Boba had just answered the Mando's question. They all would have teamed up earlier and there would have been no hard feelings and no potential loss of life. But anyways, uh, getting back to Fennec, again, great. Love her. Let's keep her around. But didn't she used to be a duplicitous scumbag? So now um, 
Boba's a freaking animatronic surgeon and implanted her with a heart of gold and a new abdomen. That I found a little strange. And like, why on earth would she show this to Mando? Like, these people are hardened bounty hunters who will kill you for anything. And she's just like, oh, you want to see my new insides? I thought that was a little weird. But anyway, you know, this was an episode sort of full of classic TV tropes. And it was a little goofy. But in a way, it's also like the most fun 80s show you could have in the year 2020. The Slave One looked great, except when it looked totally fake. There were a couple of shots where it didn't look that great, but mostly it looked really good. And that brings me to another thing that I think in this episode, we are literally seeing budget wrangling on screen. So this is something that, I mean, we're all aware that TV shows have budgets. Dave Filoni talked about the budget of this show being the budget of a TV show, not the budget of a movie. And in fact, if you received your Art of the Mandalorian book in the mail this past week, it's mentioned in there, I think either Favreau or Filoni says, they had a third of the time and half the budget to create basically double the content of a movie. So when I say any of these little nitpicks, like they're not really nitpicks. It's just what it is. You know, they're not dealing with, you know, when you spend a half hour on a TV show, you don't have as much to work with as you would for a half hour of a movie. And I think we're seeing that. It's something I learned about recently that I found very interesting from Film Crit Hulk on Twitter. And if you don't follow Film Crit Hulk, he's an amazing, amazing film critic um, who's just incredibly insightful, especially about Star Wars movies. If you look up his reviews to The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Rogue One, they're all really, really, really interesting. But he talked about something that I never knew about before, which is the old hiding in a farmhouse trope. So it turns out, you know, a lot of movies, you see the protagonist have to leave a city or leave wherever it is they live and hide out in a farmhouse. Well, it turns out that's usually done for budgetary reasons because they don't have enough budget to film on different locations for that stretch of the movie. So they go to one location. All of the actors are in the same place at the same time. It's probably, I don't know, I'm guessing a one-day shoot or a two-day shoot. So they save money by spending a portion of the movie in the same location. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing in this episode. They spent the whole episode on this big rock. And like, for some weird reason, there was a CG stormtrooper coming out of uh, one of the one of the First Order shuttles. I don't know, like maybe it was because of COVID. So maybe it's um, because they wanted to go all in on almost every single other episode of the show and you have to make a cut somewhere. And so maybe they didn't have enough budget for this one uh, to do some of the things that we've seen in other episodes. And the good news is I have so much confidence that episodes seven and eight of this season, which will be episodes 15 and 16, chapters 15 and 16 overall, are going to be absolutely amazing. So it does kind of feel like the Clone Wars pattern, and I guess that's sort of the nature of TV. It's resource allocation. If you've ever played a game like Advance Wars, you know that, you know, you have to choose where you're going to spend. You can only do so much, uh, but you put your chips where, where you think they should go and where you think they're going to do best. And all this is to say that none of this is really a complaint. Um, I, I think of it as just sort of an acknowledgement of what you get, an acknowledgement of sometimes, you know, certain episodes don't hit you the way that others do. And I like to figure out what the reason for that is. And I think that's a difference between healthy versus unhealthy criticism. I genuinely appreciate everything they do. Knowing that I have no idea how truly difficult it is to pull off, 
what they've been pulling off with this show. You know, we don't know all of the bad decisions that could have been made, all of the all of the things they could have done that we would have hated and they didn't. And so they get so much right. And I still love this show. Another good thing to look forward to. Our man Bill Burr is coming back. So hold on to your dunks. I have a prediction. And this is something that I've seen a lot on Twitter. I think other people are in agreement and maybe we're just following the path of logic here. But it seems pretty likely that with the Razorcrest blown up and Slave 1 in play, maybe Boba's going to die and Mando's going to keep Slave 1. And that would be awesome. And I think it really makes sense because, one, Boba can finally go out like a boss, like he deserves. And two, Mando will have a ship. I mean, the Razorcrest is not coming back this time. No Calamari's going to fix it. No Mimbin's going to fix it. It is gone. And I'm so thrilled about that. And I loved the Razorcrest. I thought the Razorcrest is awesome. But, you know, maybe because I subscribe to the Kylo Ren school of letting the past die, embracing the new, like, I can't wait to see what he flies next. So either way, if it's Slave One, awesome. If it's an entirely new ship, I can't wait to see what it is. Um, and that's it for this episode. Let's take one comment from the fail bag. Okay, maybe more than one. Uh, let's start with Sam, who said, such a great episode, been listening a lot lately. Love the Star Wars sound effects, so rad. Thank you so much, Sam. Sam, I met a little over a year ago in Arizona, and the only reason we met is because I had a Boba Fett toy on the table at my booth. I was there for a work conference. Sam was walking by. Sam is an amazing painter. Sam has his own podcast. Sam, I forget the name right now off the top of my head, but I'm going to plug it in a post later. Um, and he was walking by, spotted my Boba Fett, and uh, that instantly started off a friendship. So thanks again, Sam, for uh, for listening in. Artie, just to weigh in on your comment really quick. Yes, I was pronouncing Grogu wrong for the entirety of our last episode. That was an accident. Nothing intentional. And I'm going to save... I'm going to save Logan's comments for next time because I know Jeff is going to weigh in on these and they're really good. Uh, Logan gave us a lot of cool stuff to talk about. So we're going to save that for Jeff for our next episode, episode 121. And lastly, I want to shout out our good friend Carlos who provided amazing, amazing replacement album art for our last episode. So if you haven't gone back and looked at our updated album art for episode 119, please go back and do so. And thank you again, Carlos. We're trying to get him to do art for our upcoming Mandalorian post-game show, so we hope we have that from him too. Once again, this is Brett, and I'm just talking about Star Wars all the time on The Skywalk. <laughs>